There's so many platforms, so many systems that you're trying to implement. And especially for the larger brands, when you have multiple locations and you're a bigger brand, again, these customer demands and the, the standard that consumers expect of you is that, you know, whether I go into one location in, in one city or another location in another city, I'm expecting the exact same experience. I'm expecting you to know who I am. I'm just expecting you even to know the conversation I had with the person at the other location, right? And that's where the complexity and the context really comes into play. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. We've been hearing a lot of buzz about new cutting edge tech trends such as live streaming, group shopping, and even AR and VR. But I can't lie, one of the trends that I'm most excited about right now is SMS messaging. And you could say I have a bit of a sentimental attachment to it. It was actually one of the first marketing trends that I dug into as a new editor and reporter for Retail Touchpoints about 10 years ago. That's right. This trend has been around for 10 years and change. And now we're seeing this resurgence of it and an evolution of contextual, immediate messaging that not only gets brands and retailers in front of the customer, but also supports customers to pick up their shopping experiences and make more actionable, real-time decisions in a way that's relevant for them. I really wanted to dig into these new use cases and value drivers, so that's why I was really excited to sit down with Dennis Steele, the co-founder of Podium, which is really driving fantastic conversations around this new era of contextual engagement and contextual commerce. So if you're curious about what the current potential and future value is for this contextual engagement, listen in because we cover a lot of ground in a pretty short time. Dennis, thanks so much for uh, being on the show. Great to meet you and really excited to chat with you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk today. Yeah. So obviously COVID-19, very much on the brain for all of our listeners right now. I feel like I've been talking about it forever and I'm sure you do too. But I think the reality of it is that it has really changed the retail landscape as we know it and has likely left an impact that will last forever, I think, in, in many ways. Customers expect more digital touch points, over communication, instant information. I feel like that that need for connectivity and transparency, I feel like is really rising to the top right now. No, no matter where we are on the customer journey, we just want to be able to connect. And that's very much in your space. So I'm excited to have you on the show and get to the heart of that. But I want to ask you, like looking at this from a 5,000 foot view, what do you expect we'll see changing in 2021? Because I feel like now's the time where we're talking about what trends are going to be maintaining over the new year that have evolved or accelerated over the past year. What do you think is really going to take shape as we get into another year, essentially, of the pandemic? Yeah, it's really, really interesting. And I think to your first point, as far as feeling like we're constantly talking about COVID-19 and, and this kind of endless conversation of, okay, what's this new normal and how do we all adjust and how do we all adapt? The nice thing is I think we're coming a little bit out of that, right? As far as 
just being whipsawed in every direction, right? There is somewhat of a, a comfort level that business owners and people are having a little bit with what's been going on. And that allows people to kind of settle into some of these adaptations that we've talked about. But I think it's important probably to look back a little bit and say, what were some of those those adaptations, right? I think it's really interesting to kind of look back and, and see where we've come a little bit so far and then maybe where it's heading into 2021. What I can say is how impressive retailers have been from my perspective, right? We work with 70, that podium works with 70,000 businesses and everything from like a single location business owner who's been doing it for 30 years to some of the bigger brands with thousands of locations. And so it's been really interesting to get this perspective from that single business owner to, to somebody who's running a big corporation. What I can say is my faith in these business owners and these retailers and being able to adapt and figure out what's best for their customers, I have a really high confidence level there. It's been really impressive to see people just say, okay, what's needed? What do my customers need? And how do I deliver that for them? It's been really awesome to see. So I think one of the biggest things that we see is COVID has introduced a ton of friction, right? And the biggest thing that I've seen people being asking themselves is, okay, how do I make it more convenient for my customers? And I think we'll continue to see retailers double down on that thought. How do I make this more convenient? How do I remove some of this friction that just has unnaturally been forced upon our consumers and ourselves, right? As we've tried to keep our daily routines, keep things feeling normal. How do I work through this as a consumer? And then as a business owner, how do I make it easy, right? And I think we will see people double down on convenience, and convenience, there's so many different angles that you can attack it. Obviously, we are looking a lot from how do we solve this from a communication perspective, right? That's probably first line of defense. So many things we were used to doing in person and having that personal interaction have been completely disrupted. So how do we make even just the basic form of communication easier? So that's probably the first thing that comes to mind is how will communication continue to evolve going into this next year, right? We saw this huge boom with Zoom and video and business owners ask themselves, how do I integrate video into my experience, right? How do I start creating personalized experiences with my customers now that things seem very impersonal, right? And we kind of feel trapped and isolated and, and not able to build relationships and and do things in person like we used to. So that's pro probably the first area that I really see continuing to, to see make more changes going forward. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. I think it just really shows how crucial that communication is, right? Whether it's through a face-to-face -face connection with an associate, whether it's through even just like the content on the website, right? Like people are looking for some sort of some sort of insight into what the brand is about, what the products are all about, and basically what value they can get out of engaging with that brand. So definitely agree. Communication is huge, especially because I felt like so many of us have felt or have said that they we have felt so isolated, right? We have access to so much on our phones or our devices, but it's still isolating. Yeah, I think that personalization will continue to really trend. 
And it's the little things too, right? It's like, like you said, on the website experience, right? How do we make that a little bit more personalized, right? So that it, it feels like I'm not just kind of in this isolated zone and I can't even go to this business or this brand that I'm really familiar with and feel any kind of connection just because where I used to be able to interact with this brand or the the way I used to be able to interact with this brand just isn't an option anymore, right? And so I think it starts even on those first touch points, which can be little adaptations. But then if I call or message this brand that I'm really familiar with and that I had a different relationship before this pandemic with, how do we bridge that gap, right? How do we make it feel familiar to them, even though the channel or the way or the process and how they communicated with us before has completely changed, right? And I I think it actually requires a little bit of empathy too from businesses and brands. I think that's important to show to the customers. It's just a little bit of empathy of like, hey, look, we know you probably interacted with us differently before. At least some part of the journey is probably going to be different, right? How do we adapt and try to show some empathy there and make it a little bit more personalized? So I think personalization will definitely continue to trend And then leveraging these new technologies that make it a little bit more personal, right? Like I said, video, we see messaging and building relationships through texting really powerful. Sometimes businesses saw this as like a really nice to have in the past. And now they realize, oh, this is absolutely crucial for me to be able to stay in business, right? Yeah, it's definitely been interesting to see the shift in like what used to be considered a differentiator and like what has quickly become table stakes from a channel's perspective, because I was just thinking randomly about all of the trends that we've been covering on retail touch points over just the past five years. And I remember Bobble Bar really being praised for their video styling services. And like, that's become kind of a standard. So it's just been interesting to see how the bars have been shifted or raised, I guess you could say. So the entry point for innovation or differentiation, I mean, is probably going to be pretty different. So I I do want to ask you, because you brought up communication, convenience, personalization, these aren't necessarily new trends or new topics, right? And we've been saying on RTP that this isn't full on new trends. This is an acceleration of existing trends. And I know a lot of people have been saying the same, but this acceleration has set a clear line between the brands and retailers who who have these things and those who don't. So I want to ask you, I mean, what are you seeing companies do right? Where are you seeing others fail? I mean, what's kind of the line in the sand that you're seeing now? Is it largely in that communication realm or, or is there other stuff? Yeah, there's multiple areas, but I definitely want to validate your point there in, in this setting a new line, a new bar, a new standard, right? And as consumers you know, all of us are consumers, obviously, but we're very sensitive to that line. Once we have a new customer experience with a brand or a retailer that is doing it right, or doing it really introducing some nice innovation that makes it more convenient, more personalized, we don't want to have any other experience other than that experience, right? When we're going through the retail experience. And we can see this really easily, right? You see like Uber and Lyft, when a space is revolutionized, it's really hard to go back to the old way. And so that the brands that are taking and adapting and really implementing this innovation into their customer experience, they're creating that new standard. The customer experiences it. They say, oh, wow, that was really nice. And 
the contrast into using a retailer or a brand that isn't implementing that innovation, that gap is that much wider at that point. And it's very obvious to this consumer, right? It's like, we've all been there where it's like, you're just kind of first world problems complaining about your Wi-Fi on a plane, right? But you have to realize, look, you're on an airplane. This is a pretty amazing experience. And you're complaining about Wi-Fi. So, but this is how we are, right? And we adapt to these new conveniences that are incredible, but we get really annoyed and frustrated if we have that same type of experience with another brand and there's a big gap there. It just screams out to the consumer and is so noticeable. So, what I would say is technology is advancing this innovation at a rate that we've never seen before. And that gap will jump out to consumers and be that much more noticeable more than it ever has. And so it's really important, I would say, for people to be aware and to understand that, hey, you got to adapt, you got to implement the innovation. And to that point, so getting into some of these, I think texting and communication, using, leveraging all of the channels that the customers are using is one area that's extremely important. That is a new standard. People expect to have service and to be served as a consumer on whatever communication channel they prefer. And that could be Facebook Messenger. It could be WhatsApp. It could be Instagram and texting, Right. And in the past, these channels have completely been dispersed and hard to manage, especially for a business. That's, that's the problem mainly that Podium is trying to solve from a communication perspective. So we have a lot of insight there. But I mean, that's what our platform is trying to do is, hey, how can we bring all of these together and make it really manageable? Because why? It's really because the consumer now is demanding that the business be responsive on every one of these communication channels. And it's hard to keep up with, right? So that's just a, a general consumer expectation that's out there that I think needs to be met from retailers. Um, the other place of innovation that uh, we're leaning heavily into and that I see a lot in is on the payments and transactions side, right? This is an area that's been somewhat archaic for a long time. The technology in the market today is allowing for a ton of innovation on contactless payments, touchless payments. That's becoming almost an expectation of, hey, I can check out how and when I want from any device anywhere, right? Like, which a few years ago seemed kind of crazy and it was really hard to develop systems to be able to do that. And today it's an expectation and, and something you can actually deliver on as a brand and retailer. Yeah, definitely some good points. I do want to drill into that payment topic really fast because what I find most interesting about contactless and cashierless stores and, and all of that is when we used to cover payment, it was largely through a regulatory lens or very process-oriented, utility-focused, right? I mean, just, you know, the, talking about, oh, what are your payment options? You know, how can you ensure, you know, payment security? I mean, just, <laughs> it feels very, bleh, I guess for lack of a better word, right? <laughs> but now we're seeing it really come to the forefront as a vehicle for customer experience and making it as seamless and relevant and personalized as possible. I mean, it's like we're seeing payment become, in a way, its its own differentiator, in a way. I mean, we, we've seen it with like Amazon Go stores and the buy now, pay later areas that, that are really kind of changing 
how people perceive payments in general. I mean, what's your take on this space? I mean, how do you think it will evolve? How do you think it will become a mechanism for retailers to bring their brand promise to life? I mean, I know that's kind of a big question, but you know, how do you think this whole payment landscape is going to be expanding and evolving? I mean, even outside the store, right? I mean, digital payment options are expanding too. Yeah. So I think when you look at the payment or transaction, this is really, when you think of the whole customer journey, that's the point that has the most friction, right? And probably the part of the customer journey that's been hardest to innovate on and to revolutionize as, as the years have gone gone on. And so, and a hard one for the business owner, frankly, to implement, right? Innovation on. It takes some effort to kind of fix that form. You know, when you have a process in place that's been in place for years, it's hard to rip that out and put a new one in place. And so this is why with retailers, you could really find with any type of retail, you could find everything from paper invoicing and mailing, mail invoices, all the way to the really innovative stuff where people are just, like I talked about earlier, checking out any way you want on any device at any time of, of the customer experience, right? And we've experienced that. I think in the past, when you think about this, you have your e-commerce experience, which has been really optimized to be a nice, wonderful experience uh, from an e-commerce perspective with the technology that's out there, right? And then you have your physical store experience that can really be lagging. And at least in the last few years, there's been a pretty substantial gap there. With Podium, the products we're building and just the technology we're leveraging in general in the market, that gap can be basically completely eliminated. You can extend how nice and simple your e-commerce checkout and payments experience is to your in-person experience. And there is a level of expectation now that the consumer is expecting, even in person. Okay, how do I do this touchless, right? I'm standing here with a mask and you know, I'm ready to buy this piece of furniture or something. How do I do this completely touchless? And so those are some of the tools we're trying to get into market and problems we're trying to solve with Podium. But that's where I think there's real innovation here. The nice thing is, like I said earlier, it's the point of friction. And so if you can add a high amount of convenience for this piece, that customer is going to turn around and have really high scores of satisfaction for their experience with you as a brand and as a retail, a retailer. And those are the things that I think going forward are going to build brand loyalty, right? It's the experience earlier, like the personalization, the things that have really become friction points with the state that the, the whole economy and, and everybody is at right now, providing convenience at those friction points. I think that's what builds the new brand loyalty going forward and, and makes people excited about their experience with these retailers. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. So is it safe to say that there's opportunity for payments to be a bit more contextual and I guess almost ever present in the customer journey, right? Because, I mean, for a while, and I guess largely it's still the case, it's, you know, the little shopping cart widget in the corner. And sometimes they throw you off course, you want to add something to the card and it's like, keep shopping or see card. And then you go to the wrong window and it gets a little clunky and convoluted. You switch devices, the cart's not there and it becomes very cumbersome, right? And like you said, very, very clunky. So the opportunity seems to to lie in 
letting people pay the way they want and also at any time in the customer experience. Is, is that a fair assumption to me? Yeah, I would say extending to all points that during the customer experience and to any device anywhere, right? And so to get into some specific examples, I would say, yeah, texting someone with a link, right? But even knowing that if I, even if I went into the store and swipe my credit card, if I've ever done a transaction with this business, going forward, expecting that they can just charge my credit card, right? Something so simple, but something that adds such a layer of convenience later on of like, oh, hey, I've done business with you before. Payment should be just as easy as the business saying, okay, can we charge your credit card for this amount? And getting maybe a message, you know, text back says, yep, go ahead and charge my credit card that amount, right? I didn't have to log in to a portal. I didn't have to plug anything in with my credit card because I swiped there three I swiped my credit card there three months ago and they were able to store it in the right system. And if I go to the main businesses that I shop at over the course of a few months, I would expect all of them to have my credit card and for me to be just able to give a verbal yes to them charging my credit card. So I think that's kind of some of the specific examples of like how does this kind of revolutionize? I think it's quick confirmation via text message to charge, verbal confirmation, storing of credit cards, yeah, adding things to cart, having that be pretty dynamic, really just kind of you know, thinking outside of the box, not just thinking in the standard like email confirmation, email inbox, log into the portal, putting your credit card and check out. A lot of those things are being optimized with the technology in the market today and, and with a lot of tools Podium's trying to provide and, and solve as well. Yeah. And what I really like about that, Dennis, is that communication is still the underpinning of it, right? It's kind of what drives the customer to get what they need as quickly and and easily as possible, which kind of brings me to my next question, because you mentioned earlier around giving customers the power to communicate and engage with someone from the brand across all channels at any time, whether it's text. I'm glad you brought text up for payment, by the way, which is so, so fun, so innovative. I can't wait to see how that shakes out. But also social media, brand texting to associate texting, the website, chat. I mean, there's so many different channels now to communicate. And you kind of brought up that complexity that happens. And I'm sure that complexity on the multiplies as as the business gets bigger, right? And the more stores there are. So, I mean, I'm sure you have so many conversations with retail executives. You you probably see the inner workings of existing systems and try to provide solutions. So, I mean, can you kind of break down what the challenges are or the problems that may emerge as retailers try to tack on all these different communication touch points? And I mean, How do they navigate all of that? Because, I mean, the urgency to be contextual, conversational, real-time, I mean, it's it's here. So how do they get past that? Yeah, that's a great question. And and it's been definitely a challenge, right? Because there's so many platforms, so many systems that you're trying to implement. And especially for the larger brands, when you have multiple locations and you're a bigger brand, again, these customer demands and the the standard that consumers expect of you is that, you know, whether I go into one location in, in one city or another location in another city, I'm expecting the exact same experience. I'm expecting you to know who I am. I'm expecting you even to know the conversation I had with the person at the other location, right? And that's where 
the complexity and the context really comes into play. And making sure that you have systems as a retailer that are not siloed, because over time, you're going to build data, really important data, the personalized data that actually matters in these siloed platforms and siloed systems. And it's really going to hinder your growth and your ability to provide this standard experience that people are expecting, no matter where they go, which location they go into or who they talk to. Right. And as soon as that happens, that confidence level just drops. Right. So if I go into one location, have a conversation, start working through something I want to buy and then go to another and all that context is lost. Like I feel like I'm starting over from scratch as a consumer. And that obviously that's damaging. So I think for brands, first thing, where's our data? How siloed is it? And are we leveraging it so that we can actually provide a personalized experience to every customer and help them feel that personalization that is in such high demand these days, considering the circumstances? So that's how I I would look at it. I think an example for me just recently, actually, that was kind of impressive for me was Actually, this week, I bought a piano for my family. I've got three little kids. We're, we're looking Fine. to start, start learning on the piano. I played a little bit growing up, so it'd be fun to, to get back into it a little bit. And yeah, I went on. I was looking, doing some research, and went to kind of do the old school, submit a lead form onto the website I was looking at for a local music store. And uh, they happened to have Podium. And it surprised me, caught me off guard, but I was excited and chatted in and started texting. They have multiple locations here in Utah. And it was really cool to see the how they handled the experience for me from working kind of, I live kind of in between two different locations. So I actually ended up working with both stores and they coordinated everything on their side, made it really kind of the seamless experience and was able to call and text and do a mobile payment. And it was it was kind of this really nice, convenient experience that I did not expect from like a local music shop selling pianos. But it was pretty amazing to see that this innovation, when it comes together, even my expectation of buying a piano was completely elevated, right? Like I wasn't expecting that experience, but because they were able to do it that way with the systems they had in place and the context they they were able to keep with me switching back between locations, I was kind of blown away by it myself. So it is really cool to see when you're able to optimize some of these things. Yeah, total total meta moment, I'm sure. Like, oh, wow, <laughs> this is being used. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was. It was. it was pretty fun. So to that end then, I mean, we're talking quite a bit around personalization, context, and how that really powers communication, makes things easier for people, also makes it more enjoyable. Like you said, you're not starting from scratch every time, which is like my living, breathing nightmare from a customer service standpoint. So when when we kind of break down the checklist, I guess, of ideal elements of, of personalization, I mean, what does that kind of look like? You know, if you were to say, okay, you're a retailer, you really want to personalize this communication experience, you should do X, Y, Z. I mean, I'm sure it goes beyond just like name and like order stuff, right? I mean, like what else is kind of table stakes now, I guess you could say? Yeah. So when I think of it, we kind of think of it in these two major buckets, communication, the other probably would be payments and an aspect of communication that I know is really important to retailers. And they're, they're trying to figure out if there's any major changes to with the state of things is kind of promotions and advertising and campaigns, which is another, I think, like 
interesting bucket to think about when you're saying, how can I optimize these things? So with communication and payments, I would say first checkbox is, do we touch every, like, are we handling every channel and have we optimized for every channel? Because things are getting so spread out across so many different platforms that consumers are using and finding businesses with and wanting to interact with businesses on, of, of course, when you think of social media and Instagram and entire businesses being built on Instagram, it's a channel that just needs to be optimized if you're a brand at this point, right? And so communication and payments, are we optimized on every channel? Can we handle every touch point for those channels? So one thing that we talk about a lot is a major conversion killer is channel switching. And this is all of our data at Podium and all the transactions and touch points and journey mapping, customer journey mapping that we do points to this. It is a massive conversion killer, and that is channel switching on your customer. So that means if they text in to you, basically taking that text message or if they basically submit a form online to communicate with you online, taking that form of communication that they interacted with you initially and switching on them, calling them, sending them an email in return, or if they message you on Facebook, sending them an email, right? Like they are reaching out and they are using a form of communication they're comfortable with. And to take that as a brand or a business and switch that to maybe what might work for your systems, which is maybe email or a phone call, that is going to be a conversion killer. And so optimizing, that's like maybe checkbox number one is, do we handle all of the channels so that we can be available to all of our customers? And can we provide the customer journey as much as possible on those channels so we don't have to have as much channel switching and, and killing the conversion there really from a numbers perspective when, when we look at it. And that applies to payments too, like we were talking about earlier that friction point. So it's, it's kind of going through this customer journey, looking at the touch points and saying, hey, is this optimized? Do I have coverage over all the channels? Can I facilitate this, my most convenient experience for all of these different use cases within the customer journey? And when you have gaps, search for the technology that can fill that gap because that gap's probably hurting you probably more than you expect, right? And this has all been accelerated. So if you thought it was hurting you last year when you said, hey, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll have a nice checkout experience at some point next year. And you knew it was a pain. Just know that there's probably multiples more impactful for your business to optimize that now than it was before this whole pandemic. So that was probably my take on that. That's very interesting. So before we close things out, Dennis, and thank you again so much for taking the time. I do want to ask, because we are talking about personalization, connection. You've mentioned that companies of all sizes use Podium and, and have the power to create these connected experiences across a variety of channels. So you, you maximize cover and, and opportunity to engage. Do you have any, any perspectives on like the mix of what is automated versus what should be like an actual person? Because I mean, I think we can all agree that, you know, people can only do so much, especially for a business that's scaling, the management of channels, which we've talked about a little bit today. I mean, do you have any any perspectives on like 
the right way to mix the beauty of like an actual human talking to you and communicating with you versus like automating for scale and, and efficiency. I mean, if this is going down a rabbit hole, please don't tell me so. But I mean, there are so many tools out there and we're still hearing, you know, there's nothing like connecting with an actual person. So, I mean, what's your take on, on balancing the two? Yeah, I would say from an automation perspective, it's great to leverage automation to maximize initial engagement. And so I'll try to explain what I mean by that. It's basically, if there's a process, a touch point in your customer journey, so let's say a delivery notification, right? Like that's a great automation to have in place. And you shouldn't worry about leveraging that type of automation because it's, there's a lot of value to it, right? Super value for the customer, a text delivery notification, right? Maximizing engagement is making sure that that automated message is creating a connection with the customer and basically allowing an open forum for that customer to engage if they need to. And so uh, obviously saying, hey, not just, hey, this is being delivered, but hey, this is being delivered. Does that work for you? Do you have any questions, right? And as soon as that customer engages back, that's when it's critical to have that one-on-one conversation and that to be routed directly to a human. I think that's that's really important. So leverage automation so that you can be engaging as much as possible on these outbounds with your customers, but make sure you're inviting them to engage back. And when they engage back, don't have that be automated, right? So like we've all been there. The notification is great. Oh, that time doesn't work for me. And then if you get an automated message back that says, hey, this is a robot, please call our customer service line and, and wait on hold. Now I'm, I'm frustrated as a customer, right? And so... That's kind of how I think of it from an automation perspective is give as many touch points as possible for people to engage with your brand. They all need to, they'll want to more probably these days than they have in the past as these forms of communications have become the norm. And so make sure when they do that you treat that with as respectfully as somebody, you know, trying to get your attention in the store, right? Like you would never ignore them. And so if they're reaching out on a channel, even if it's, as in a response to an automation, be respectful and make sure that you can get a one-on-one communication back to them. That's how I think of it. Yeah, no, it's a great, great points, great closing thoughts, I think, as retailers try to refine, optimize their communication strategies. I definitely think the shift to digital is not going away. It's just figuring out how to bring that, I guess, magic, you could say, of the face-to-face connection, even if people aren't going to the store. So Dennis, again, really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to chat with me. So many great notes, insights, and takeaways for all of our listeners today. Fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. It's It's been fun to chat and uh, look forward to talking soon again. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, to all of you listening right now, thank you for checking out this episode of Retail Remix. As always, if you have any follow-up questions, comments, or ideas even for Dennis, our guest today, please feel free to drop us a line on Twitter at our touch points. We'd love to make those connections and encourage those follow-up conversations and be sure to check us out next week. We are always having these kinds of candid conversations around the change and innovation that's happening in retail. So be sure to subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else to make sure you get new episodes directly to your uh, chosen device. Thanks everyone. We'll see you next time. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.